Welcome to Ion Franchising. Are you looking for business opportunities? Well, you are in the right place. We represent over 650 franchises and business opportunities. We will help you find your perfect franchise for free. We even have a free assessment on our website that will help us determine what the best business is for you based on your investment level, mindset, skill set, and life experiences. This is Ion Franchising, where we share our vision for your franchise future. I'm your host, Lance Growlick. Each week, we will speak to fascinating folks from the world of franchising, franchisors and founders, franchise funders, and franchisees. Are you looking to find your perfect franchise? Or perhaps you are an independent business owner looking to grow and scale your business by setting up a franchise. Either way, our team can help you. Ion Franchising, where you will learn the A to Zs of franchising. Today, I have a very special guest, my friend from Las Vegas, created a brand called Rachel's Kitchen in 2006, and her name is Debbie Roxarzadeh, founder of Rachel's Kitchen. Hello, Debbie. Hello, Lance. How are you? Doing awesome. So excited to have you on today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're quite welcome. So, uh, well, let's get started with an easy question. Uh, why don't you uh, share with everybody your, I, I would call it your franchise journey. How did Debbie Rockstar's a day get to where you are today in 2021 with a successful franchise organization? Let's talk about where this all started and how it came to be. Sure. So I started Rachel's Kitchen out here in Las Vegas in 2006. Uh, Rachel is my daughter, so the concept brand is named after her. So started out here in 2006. Um, we're originally from Los Angeles, but decided to move um, out here when Rachel was two. We didn't want to raise her in LA. And what's wrong I, with LA? Well, you know, I love LA, but it's not that conducive to children. Although a lot of people may think Las Vegas isn't either, which I agree with <laughs> at, some, at some points. But we are in um, a small community, a suburb called Summerland. And my husband and I just really fell in love with it and felt like we were close enough to LA, but yet far enough away where we could kind of build our own our own life and, you know, have her ride a bike down the street versus Los Angeles. So um, we found it a little bit more peaceful and quiet and, you know, you can buy a, a home and it's a little bit more affordable. And, um, you know, a lot of young professionals lived out here, moved out here a lot from Southern California, actually. So um, we really, really liked it. So we uh, moved out here. I opened up the first Rachel's Kitchen in 2006 in a thousand square foot location, you know, very, very small, um, very close to where I was living at the time. And I was, a, I was a customer at that original location and my kids and I would go there very frequently and have our smoothies and have our breakfast or a burger or whatever it might be. And uh, we love that. We love that location. But yeah, we, we absolutely noticed how you were bursting at the seams and you certainly grew out of that location. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did really quickly. We were out in the parking lot. We were, you know, all over the place trying to squeeze people in. And we actually, um, the way that we were able to survive there as long as we did was because I um, opened up my commissary, which was just like about a mile and a half away. 
and really use that as like our backfill and our storage for that location because a thousand square feet really didn't hold anything. So people were, you know, the guys were running back and forth like three times a day going, <laughs> so, um, so that helped our, our life over there in the thousand square feet location. But anyway, regardless, um, you know, the brand, I wasn't sure how, how Rachel's Kitchen would do out here. I wasn't sure how Vegas would take to some of these you know, kind of more California cuisine type items of fresh juices and goat cheese on the menu. Dare, dare we say healthy? Because when you tell certain <laughs> people, when you survey most of America, everybody decide, everybody says, yeah, I want to eat healthy. But the reality is when nobody's watching, they don't always choose healthy, right? Well, they don't. And our menu is healthy till the indulgent. So you can have a very healthy salad with a side of sweet potato fries or a side of regular fries, or you can have some pastas or, you know, you can have um, a cupcake if you'd like, or you can have a fresh squeezed juice. So we've got a little bit of, of everything, um, which makes it easy for people, you know, when, when they don't know what they want to eat, or if, you know, one person in the party wants to eat something that's not healthy and somebody else that wants to eat something lighter. So the, the, the veto vote, when the office of folks are like, I want a sandwich, I want a burger, I want a smoothie. Well, Rachel's kitchen is perfect for all of you, all of them yeah. and pancakes. Don't forget the amazing pancakes that I see on Instagram. It seems almost <laughs> weekly. <laughs> pancakes do very well on our instagram feed that's for sure food people, porn, people food like porn. to see the syrup being poured and you know kind of back to your veto vote in the office you know I'll, I'll like skim through some of the online orders and things that come through and you'll see these orders you know 30 people in the office ordering and it's like literally you know one of everything off the menu people are ordering with their name on it i'm like that's awesome <laughs> you know that's great I love it. I love it. well that diversity in the menu is is incredibly helpful and, and, you know, that's people feel like different things in different days of the week, you know, and that's just yeah. the nature of the beast. So what got you into franchising? You launched the first location. It's a thousand square feet. You know, you had this tremendous success in the, in the restaurant business in L.A. You come to a new town to set up shop, so to speak, literally. Let me get let me launch my business that I know. I know restaurants the best. Let's do that. And, and what got you? What was that point where you're like? Let me franchise this thing. So when I opened in 2006, I was actually pregnant with my son. So um, now how did that happen? No, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure we have enough time on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the purpose of this podcast. It's giving birth to brands that were sticking to Debbie. Stick to that, please. Sorry. Sorry. I know we sidetrack sometimes, but um, so I was pregnant with my son, Ryan, and you know, the, the concept started to do really well. People really took to it and liked it. And Vegas was booming at the time. And I had a lot of these real estate developers going, can you open a Rachel's Kitchen in my center, you know, out here in Centennial or in Aliante or, you know, just all these different kind of suburbs of Vegas. And I thought to myself, I would love to do all that, you know, and I did that in Los Angeles for years and years to come, but now I have a family, you know, and I don't want to walk around with my belly all over the place or born with me everywhere. Um, but, you know, I still want to work and I still want to be involved and everything. And, you know, more and more people were throwing out the idea of franchising. So I went to a franchise conference in LA to really try to understand, you know, 
how do you get into this? What does it entail? And just, you know, decided that that was the route that I wanted to grow Rachel's Kitchen. And that's how it started. And it took me, you know, a good two or three years to figure figure it all out. And um, unfortunately, my timing wasn't great because that's when everything tanked. And here we are, 2000. Eight-ish, 2009. I'm sitting here with my beautiful documents and all this stuff that I've worked so hard figuring out all these details. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready, everyone. (laughs) It's amazing. You know, some people, um, depending on where you lived in 2008, 2009, when the world came crashing down, you know, Vegas was hit especially hard. We we, We know now how temporary it was and how resilient Vegas was in our economy, but it, it scared the heck out of a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And, you know, people that had a lot of money, lost a lot of money, and nobody was really doing anything for a period of time as, as everybody was waiting things out. But, you know, people have to eat. Rachel's mm-hmm. Kitchen is not fine dining where people, you know, people can't afford it. Um, and, and obviously you guys survived, you did well, and, and, yeah. and, here, and here you are. Let's talk about on the franchise side of things, when you sort of had this moment, if you will, in the LA, um, in, in LA deciding and learning about franchising, what were some of the pieces that you, know, you remember being taught at the time that really appealed to you that you said, you know what? This is, this is a good system. This is something I want to share. We all know that a pregnant woman or, you know, does not want to be running around in a kitchen doing <laughs> all this work themselves. And clearly sharing what you've learned was uh, an amazing way. And that's what, what franchising is, sharing what you've learned with the world so everybody else can be successful as well. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, as I was going through the franchising exhibit, I realized, you know, I have all of this stuff, you know, they're like, Oh, you know, you need a manual for this. I'm like, okay, I can do a manual. I mean, you know, I've done this. I've done it from the ground up. I've done it for years. You know, I've taught people how to do it. I've got team members that have been with me for a long time. I've got team members that are in and out, you know, what are the, what are the best qualities in the team member? How do you keep them? How do you write recipes? So people understand them, you know, so a lot of this stuff was already things that I was doing and, you know, there was a few um, franchise brokers and consultants out there looking at it going, your numbers are fantastic. I mean, the, the, these are the numbers you need for franchising. These are great numbers. I'm like, okay, well, then I could check that box too. You know, which is a cost to build this thing. I'm like, well, it's, you know, this one was small, but if you doubled it, it would be this and that. They're like, okay, you could check that box. So it just, it just made sense, you know, and um, I think had the market been, a different time it you know vegas would have continued to grow but we just everything kind of halted for a little while but i would say that you know the brand actually was stronger um because we survived it and we had so many locals you know supporting us and we actually thrived because fine dining was too expensive so people would come to us instead of going to a sit-down restaurant that was you know 20 25 dollars they'd come to rachel's and even the people that were having a hard time financially Maybe they wouldn't come every day, but they would come. Or maybe they wouldn't get their soda, they'd get a glass of water, you know, but they were coming and we were still, you know, we were thriving and we were, we were growing and developing. So it made me feel even more secure that, you know, the, the brand is kind of timeless because it can survive things. And then obviously, you know, fast forward to 
COVID and pandemic, I mean, you know, we went through another, you know, kind of uh, interesting, interesting time. time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we pivoted and we shifted and we did well. And now we're actually thriving and we're doing better because we learned how to do certain things better with technology. And we learned how to, you know, just kind of tweak things a little bit better to make it, you know, where we don't need as many team members to run the restaurant, or maybe we don't need all those tables in there because we have a lot more takeout business now. So, you know, you kind of learn from all of these experiences and um, I feel like the brand is just, is just stronger because of it. So talk a little bit about, you mentioned the pandemic. Um, you, you had a pretty cool technological shift, if you will, uh, during or prior as, and prior to the pandemic, um, where you, you know, you did certain things. So share a little bit about that because, you know, people listening, the advantage of a franchise is, you know, there's, there's strength in numbers and, and where you can go to vendors and negotiate things and streamline systems and processes that, that independent restaurants can't necessarily do. So share a little bit about that story. So we really marketed to our, our guests, through our preferred guest program. So it's our loyalty program that we have. And um, we're up to actually almost 70,000 members now, which is great, you know, for, and, you know, it's all Vegas based, which is fantastic. So we have a good, you know, uh, angle into the local community and things. So we were able to send messages out, you know, we're open here, we're not open here, dine in here, you know, these specials. So we immediately launched like Rachel's Grocery is what we called it, where we would have farm boxes, which was fresh produce boxes that guests could come in and buy from us instead of having to go to the grocery store. Because as everybody knows, people, you know, people were afraid to, to go out in public and or they just couldn't get a lot of the product or they didn't want to wait in line. So we had these farm boxes, then we put together protein boxes where it was like a mix of, you know, different kinds of meat and fish and things like that, that they could come in and pick up. We have our bottled salad dressings and our granola. Um, we were able to add beer and wine to that list. So, you know, people could come in, get their lunch, get their, you know, produce for a few days, get a protein box. And it was just, you know, really helping the community. I mean, it wasn't, you know, that much where it was like all of a sudden we've launched this like gold mine for ourselves, but it was just a way for us kind of help and get back. And, you know, the team members are running these farm boxes to the people's cars. They're loving it. They're like, Oh, great. You know, can I have my smoothie and my juice on the way? And, you know, can you also make me this arugula pear salad? And we really started to push technology more. I mean, we always had it in place. We had our app, we had our online ordering, but we really started to just push that more. We took a lot more curbside um, and got our, our guests used, used to using that, you know, because prior to that, yes, we had it in place, but people would still pick up the phone and call, you know, and now, you know, they've kind of learned the ease of technology. They enjoy the ease of technology. They've understood, hey, I can do this before I leave the house. And then when I get there, it's ready for me. So I don't need to wait in line and I don't need to do all of this stuff. So, you know, you just kind of condition people and that's been helpful for our team and being able to run our business, you know, smoother, and we also um, started to add on like every other restaurant brand, all the different third parties, you know, like the Postmates and Grubhub and DoorDash. And we had a little bit of that before, but it was just kind of a very small portion of our business. But, you know, with the pandemic and everybody staying home and, you know, getting third party delivery and stuff, we added all of these on and immediately knew that 
you know, managing this in-house with our team members having to type the stuff in on an iPad, you know, it comes in on an iPad and then having put into our system is just a nightmare. Um, and we knew that prior to, you know, the pandemic as well. And that was why we really hadn't added all the different third parties, you know, each location was like, okay, I'll try Postmates and I'll try, you know, DoorDash or whatever. So we can have one iPad. And it was kind of my list of items to, to look for the best company that could kind of integrate it all. But it was also new. And sometimes you don't want to, you know, give your business to another business that's new and have something go wrong that's out of your control, you know? So it was like, okay. You don't want them to practice in your customers. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm like, well, if integration breaks, then what do we do? But, you know, this really was a time where we're like, okay, we need to focus on this and figure out what's right. Um, so we integrated with um, a third party and now it's amazing. So most of our stores are on this and, you know, the orders go in automatically into our POS system. We don't have all these iPads sitting on the counters anymore. They go into the POS system, just like our online ordering does, prints out in the kitchen. The driver picks up, picks up the food, you know, goes wherever he's going. And that's the end of that. So let's talk a little bit about your, who's the ideal franchisee for you? We, we know that somebody that has been in the restaurant business is preferable, but somebody can hire a manager. Somebody can be an investor that is committed to hiring a manager, right? Absolutely. If they have a manager that has restaurant background, you know, that knows the ins and outs of a restaurant and is committed to this, you know, hopefully they have some sort of share in the business. So they've got some skin in the game, you know, it could be a small percentage, but an opportunity for, you know, say somebody has been a general manager for a corporate chain for years, opportunity to kind of, you know, get out on their own sort of thing. Um, is a great mix because they're the ones operating it, they're the ones running it, but yet they have the security in the background of an investor knowing that, you know, somebody is there for them. So Debbie, let's let's talk about the numbers a little bit. Um, when you decided to set up a franchise system, we, you know, we all know that every single person that sets up a franchise system, the number one thing they do before is they have to feel proud that there's a way to make money. If you operate this, whether it's a restaurant or any other franchise, if it's operated properly, that's the key. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if it's operated properly, um, you know, it's going to make money and, uh, you know, it'll, it'll do what it's supposed to uh, because there's an established system. So uh, I'm, I'm very proud of you and what you've created. Um, you. So share a little bit about that with, uh, with your numbers and what you're seeing. So again, I mean, back to what you were saying, it, it has to be operated properly. So if you follow the guidelines and if your team follows the recipes and, you know, there's no waste and there's no theft and all these things that come along in the restaurant business. Um, we call those silent partners. <laughs> uh, you know, really we're looking at like a three to one ratio as far as the initial investment to what the sales ratio would be. And, um, you know, obviously different which is, which is for the industry, for those listening that are quite analytical, that is absolutely incredible. I mean, the old days of QSR fast food, it was like a one-to-one -one ratio. You'd invest a million dollars just to do a million in sales. And uh, oh. so a three-to-one is about as great as you're going to get in the restaurant business. It's absolutely incredible. So, sorry, keep going. No, and, you know, depending on the space that you're looking at, I mean, obviously it depends on the market, but 
if you find a restaurant, you know, that's an existing location that you can just remodel, you know, now this $522,000 number that's the high end on our FTD could go down to 300,000, you know, and if it's, you know, in a great location, your, your sales could be, you know, million two, million three, million five, million eight, you know, whatever, whatever it kind of ends up at. So, um, you know, the ratio works. It's not a super complicated restaurant. I mean, even though the, the rest, the menu is diverse, we're using a lot of the same items and all the different, um, menu items. So for example, you know, like take goat cheese, well, we use it in breakfast, we use it in lunch, we use it in, you know, all the different things that are on the menu. So it's in five or six different things. It's not just for one specific item. And that's how we try to build the menu and any LTOs that we bring in as well. I mean, we'll bring in maybe one new item, you know, to, to put in that LTO, but we're still using everything else. You know, we brought in an avocado toast. So we brought in you know, a, a different kind of toast, but everything else is stuff that's in our kitchen. You know, we're, we're so cross utilization. That's exactly. exactly. Which makes it easier, you know, to operate the kitchen and you don't have as much waste and the team members understand, okay, avocado goes in these five things or these eight things. And so those are the types of things that, you know, people that are restaurant operators understand and um, appreciate. And that's, what makes it easier for them and for training purposes and things like that. So that's always important to look at when you're looking at somebody's menu. Perfect. So tell everyone listening about your franchise process. Every franchisor, every brand does things a little differently. You're now looking to obviously expand out of Las Vegas, although you're certainly talking to locals uh, about adding additional stores in the Las Vegas market. But what is that? What is the franchise process like? Um, I'm, I'm helping you a little bit. So clearly they might get on a first phone call for me with me. What happens after that? So after that, um, you know, since we are small, I think we're a little bit more relaxed. So they, you know, I probably got on a call with you. You'd call me and say, I've got, you know, this group or this person or this couple, and this is their background. This is kind of where they're looking at. And if all of that makes sense, um, you know, either we would send them the financial form or I just get on a call with them, you know, just to kind of get an understanding as to, you know, who are they, what they're looking at, make sure that they're a good fit, make sure that we get a feel, you know, good feel from each other. Um, and if it's something that we both feel makes sense and we want to move to the next step, um, we would run a background check, um, get some financial information, run a background check, make sure that that's all clear. Um, you would then send them the FTD. They would read through that. Um, and then, you know, make sure that the funds are in place. If they're going for some sort of um, loan or something like that, we would need a prequal letter from the bank. If they've got the money in the bank or sitting, you know, in a line of credit or something like that, you, you know, we would sign the documents and start looking for a location. Perfect. And uh, when one of the, best parts about the franchise process uh, as I get a smile on my face about it. You know, so many people think franchising is this mystery. You know, you get this big document called the franchise disclosure document, which, you know, franchising is regulated by the federal trade commission, you know, a government agency, but, you know, and, and within that there's an item 19, there's an earnings claim. You have a very nice one that, that states what the average stores do. And, but the best piece in my opinion 
is then to understand as a prospective franchisee how you actually fit in with a brand. And in your case, you have a great company culture and, and great franchisees I know you're proud of. And so that stage we call validation. So as people would go to the validation stage, so to speak, with Rachel's Kitchen, uh, I'm sure you're really proud that your franchisees will say nice things about you and the brand, right? Is that fair to say? I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> limit, you know, I know certain brands are like, okay, here, here's the number to this franchisee and you go and talk to this franchisee. You know, I've got everybody in our documents. If you're free to go talk to whoever you want to talk to, you can call them up and say, I'm looking at a brand. You know, what do you think of the franchise? You can go in and eat at the restaurant and get your own feel. You know, you can do whatever you want, but I would like that the prospective franchisee does do their due diligence, you know, go eat at the restaurant, go see the different locations, go get a feel from the team member, talk to, you know, an employee, talk to a general manager, whatever it may be. I mean, if this is something you're going to be a part of, you know, we want to make sure that you're comfortable. Yeah. And that's the key is everyone has to be a good fit. That's what <laughs> they have to feel good. You have to feel good. Exactly. So any uh, words of wisdom for today? Things we did not cover that you'd like to share? Let's see. Words of wisdom. Well, <laughs> I think if you are interested in the restaurant industry, which I know a lot of people are afraid of, but if you are, it is a great, it's a great business, you know, and it's a feel good business. And it's definitely something that you can feel proud of and, and feel good as part of being part of a community. You know, if you're looking to build a base like that, I mean, we do a lot of charity. We do a lot of things where we'll donate to, um, you know, schools and things like that. And, and that's just a great feel. So if that's something that you're a part of, it's a good thing. Share, share a little bit about, you know, you mentioned customer loyalty earlier, but you have a, you have a lot of great testimonials. People absolutely love your brand, your food. Um, I mean, you're getting a lot of testimonials, a lot of people that are professing their love for Rachel's Kitchen. Actually, that's cute. Yeah, we did a survey um, a few years ago asking our guests, what does Rachel's mean to you? Actually, let me let me pull it up. But um, so we had a bunch of our we did a contest. So whoever's, you know, we kind of selected one, um, like a couple of free, free meals or something like that. But we took a, we did a word cloud with what everybody was putting in as far as, you know, what does Rachel's kitchen mean to you? So the word crowd, you know, the majority of the words that popped up were um, fresh, friendly, family, scrumptious, um, service, satisfying, wholesome, happy, good home, friends, yummy. So I thought, you know, that was really cute. So we did like a little uh, campaign out of that. And then we selected this one wonderful lady and she says uh, what it means to her. She says, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. R is for real. A is for awesome. C is for courteous and competent staff. H is for heck yeah, I'll be back. E is for everybody is for everyday eats. L is for the laid back atmosphere and loving kindness with which the food is always made. S is for stupendously healthy shakes. Rachel's, I love you. So I thought, you know, that was a winner for me. And she's, she's a great guest. She still comes in and she's just awesome. That is fantastic. Well, that's a perfect way to end today is talking about how much your customers love 
you and your brand. And uh, Debbie, thank you so much for being here. We'll uh, we'll do it again sometime, okay? Sounds great. Thanks, Lance. Have Take a good care. one. Bye. Thank you very much for listening today. Please like, follow, and subscribe so you don't miss anything here at Ion Franchising. Visit our website at ionfranchising.com, E-Y-E-O-N franchising.com, and complete our free assessment so we can assist you in finding your perfect franchise. This is Lance Gralick. Until next time.